I'll be reading scripture today, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 26, on page 8 of the worship folder. Um, my lovely wife was supposed to be doing this, but she's sick, so <laughs> here I am instead. All right. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sen uh, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged all the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which were more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're continuing on in this series on the church, and we're talking about what the church is. Last week we talked about the church being the people of God, and this week we're speaking of the church being the body of Christ. Now, when I was thinking about the body, I started looking up interesting facts about the body. And so I wanted to share some of these interesting facts about the body with you as we think about this body of Christ. The first one is this, that the total length of all of our nerves in the human body is about 75 kilometers. That is amazing, 75 Kilometers. Did you know that a human makes approximately 20,000 breaths per day? That the heart beats 35 million times a year. That's 35 million times in a year. Now, some of us, maybe when we get a little excited, we maybe are, you know, 39 million times a year. This is one that has become evidently clear to me more and more recently. Our ears keep growing throughout our lives with almost unbelievable speed, a quarter of a millimeter per year. I was telling my wife the other day and, uh, and our friends that have been here that I, I feel like I need to put on more weight because I noticed in the mirror as I was looking at myself that my ears are huge in comparison, and when my fat was a, my face was a little fatter, I couldn't really tell how big my ears were. But I got, I, you know, maybe they're not that big, but they were big to me. There are 100,000 chemical reactions that occur every second in our brain. 
we shed differently structured tears depending on the reason we are crying. When we put them under a microscope, tears due to grief, our hope, our onions all have uniquely structured, they're differently structured because they have different things that come out. This is the last one. Our brains filter out quite a lot of sensory information it receives. Your nose, for example, is, some, is always in your eyes vision, but you never see it. Your brain causes it to be out. Now all of you are doing this. And that's okay, because I did the same thing when I was reading it. The reality is our bodies are pretty extraordinary. They're, they're extraordinary. Okay, hold out your arms. Let's do this. Yeah, pretty normal too, right? Pretty ordinary. And we start thinking about them, and, and not only are my ears growing, but for some reason I have hair that's growing out of my ears now, and I have these wild eyebrows that just keep growing oddly. Why not here? I don't know. Other places. We, we, our feet change as we keep walking on them over and over again. There are gross, ordinary things that our bodies do. I, I didn't put in how much skin you actually lose every year. Because it didn't make you grossed out. So as extraordinary as our bodies are, they're very ordinary, even pretty gross when we stop and think about it. And so sometimes it's odd to think of, of God and Paul telling us that the church is the body of Christ. But when we think about it, we go, yeah, <laughs> that's right, because the church is extraordinary. I mean, to think of a group of people gathered together, called by God, to do his mission, to go out and remind and to, to encourage and, and to proclaim God's ever-pursuant love for them. That people who would have no business being together, no commonality perhaps even among them, would get together and, and say, yes, this is the mission that God has given us for a particular place. For us, in this gathering, it's Fremantle and the surrounding areas. That's pretty extraordinary. It's extraordinary because we were dead, and now we're alive. We were lost, and now we're found. That's extraordinary. But it's pretty ordinary, too, because we're all ordinary people who have our own ordinary lives, have our own ordinary desires that we want to have be everybody's desires or our own ordinary agenda that we want to have be everybody's agenda, or our own ordinary taste that we think if people would just do things the way that I like them, then things would go a whole lot smoother in life. And so when Jesus here in Paul says that we are his body, the body of Christ. I think the first thing we want to see is that it is extraordinary and ordinary. And we hold that tension together. 
Because sometimes if we just think, well, it's supposed to be great all the time, it's supposed to be extraordinary all the time, then we lose hope. But if we just think, no, no, it's just a bunch of people gathered together, then we lose the fact that God has done it. And we forget to stand in awe. But what does it mean as he goes through this passage, as he unpacks what it means for us to be the body of Christ? He says, for just as the body is many and has many members and all the members of the body fill many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says, because Christ, through one spirit, you were baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of the same spirit. So the first thing that we want to see is that there is no one better or more important in the body of Christ. There's no one better or more important in the body of Christ. Jump down to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Look, the thing that we need to recognize about being the body of Christ is that there's nobody who's more important than the other person who happens to be here. That you might think you do a lot within the church, or you might think you do the most important thing in the church, but that's not the case. <laughs> it's not a ranking system like this. It doesn't go, oh, the preacher preaches, so he's, he's like number one, Right? And then the sound guy's probably next, because if he wasn't working well, then, then you wouldn't hear him. So he's number two, right? And then, of course, the, the musicians, and the, yeah, there, and then the guy that printed the bulletin, yeah, and then the people that do tea, and then, yeah, the children workers, and then person. It's not that way at all. Sometimes we think that in our minds. Like, oh, well, the things that I do, if, if I didn't do it, then the church would fall apart. I'm here to tell you the church would not fall apart if you stopped doing what you were doing. Now, what you're doing might not happen. And that's okay. We would figure that out. But the reality is, is that there is nobody more important. Nobody can say, we don't really need that person here anymore. There's a term that goes around sometimes in discipleship curriculum uh, it's called EGR. It means extra grace required. Oh, that person just happens to be an EGR, an extra grace required person. What us being the body of Christ says is that all of us are extra grace required people. Not that there's not any extra grace required people. <laughs> oh, no. It's not that simple. It's that all of us are actually extra grace required people. That we all need to look at each other and go, I have a propensity. I have a, a desire in my heart to make sure that I'm seen as important or as the one that's holding it together or as the one that keeps things going. And, and that's not the case. So the first thing we learn about being the body of Christ is there is no one better or more important than the other one. Hmm. <laughs> the flip side of that coin is this. 
There's no one that's not needed. You see what he says earlier? He says this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You see, there's nobody that's not important. There's nobody that's not needed within the body. All of us are needed. There's no, just think about how silly that is. If your foot all of a sudden decided, I'm not that important, I'm going to head out, and reanimated itself, cut itself off, and reanimated itself and walked away. It's still part of, it, it, it can't do that. It's not possible. It only happens in horror movies. It has to stay part of the body. It might be an inactive part of the body but it's still part of the body. As as we get older, our bodies give out on us, right? There are certain parts of our bodies that begin to, to show wear and tear, let's say, and some of them get weaker. I, I used to not need these at all, at all. And then just in the last two and a half years, I find that I have to put them on more and more consistently. Because my eyes get weaker and weaker. It's not like my eyes are not still part of my body, but they, they're getting weaker. They can't say, um, we've just given up. They're still part of my body. For us that are in the body of Christ, we can't look at ourselves and say, well, I don't really give that much. I don't contribute that much. I'm not that important. I'm not that needed. As a matter of fact, things would go on just fine if I wasn't there. Listen to me. What Paul is saying, what God is saying to you when he says we are the body of Christ, he's saying, no, that's not the case. You cannot do that. You cannot say that about yourself. You are, in fact, vital for the body to be the body. It doesn't change at all. So the first thing is that there's no one better. The second thing is that there is no one that is not needed. The third thing that we know is that there is no one here that does not have a purpose. There is no one here that does not have a purpose. Notice that he talks about the foot walking away or, or the ear not saying this or that I, if I if I if I am not. Um, if I can't hear or let me let me find where I'm at, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you because the hand is needed and the eye is needed. Right. That the ear is needed and the nose is needed. That all of those things are required for the body to be the body. And they each have a purpose. They each do something. He points it out this way. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? All of us have been presented and made in God to bring something to the body. And you're the one who brings that to the body. Equipped by the Holy Spirit that's drawn us together. 
And so you're the one who is going to be doing that thing. You're the one who's going to speak that thing. You're the one who's going to hear clearly that thing. You're the one who's going to receive from God that thing, whatever it is. And each one of you have a purpose that God has given you in the body. And so we need you. If we were all just like me, wow. That would be awful. And I like me. If we were all just a big old nose, if the body was just a big old nose, think about that. It'd be bumping into things. It'd be bloody. It'd be snotty. Nobody'd want to get near it. That's what he's saying. We all have a purpose. We all have a reason why God has made us to be part of the body. So there's nobody more important. There's nobody that that is not needed. We all have a purpose. (laughs) And more importantly, it's this. No one's here by accident. You're not part of the body by accident. Listen to what verse 18 says. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Let me read it again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. just started reading a book called Australia Reimagined. It's by a social scientist who is saying that one of the greatest things that has overcome Australia currently is a sense of anxiety, that we live in an age of anxiety. And that anxiety springs from loneliness, isolation, that, that we've taken a cue from my um, birth country, and we've become fiercely independent. And in becoming fiercely independent, we've isolated ourselves, and in becoming isolated, we have built up anxiety. I've just started it, so it's going to be interesting to see where he's going. But what he says in the very beginning of his book is that what is needed to overcome this, to reimagine it, is community and compassion. Listen, that's what God has done here. God God has the answer for our anxiety. God has the answer for our loneliness. God has the answer for what has broken us down. And he says, I have a purpose for you. You're always needed. You have a place, and I have put you there specifically. Before foundation, I knew about you. Before the foundation of the world, I knew what I wanted you to be about. Before the foundation of the world, I loved you. Before the foundation of the world, I called you and I made you and I prepared you to be part of my body. And I've placed you there. And so it is by no accident that we're there. Listen again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. 
that when we recognize and see that God has developed us and built us and made us and pursued us and crafted us to fit together with those others that he has made and pursued and crafted to be his body in a particular location at a particular time in history to proclaim his particular message of ever increasing, ever pursuing love then we're able to step into this place that we're called to at the very end of this passage that says this. If one member suffers, then all suffer together. And if one member is honored, then all rejoice together. That means that we have to desperately move to the place where we are known and loved and understood by each other and that we know and love and understand each other. It means that we have to know and be intrusive in each other's lives to know what's going on with each other so that we can celebrate, so that we can mourn together. And the amazing thing is, is that God gives us the propensity and the capability to do it at the same time. Because there are people in our congregation and our gathering that are hurting, and there are people who are celebrating today, right now. And yet we're able to step into both of those places at the same time and know why. Because God does it with us. Because we've not been placed here by accident with one another. So how does that happen? And what does it look like if we're really Christ's body to one another? Well, the first thing is this, and, he, and, he, and he's dealing with something in the church in Corinth that really has to do with people feeling like they're more important than they should feel. <laughs> that they maybe have got a special knowledge or a special gift or a special thing. And so that's the reason why there's this little passage here where he says, look, the weaker ones are indispensable of the body, and those who have less honor, we give greater honor, and our unpresentable parts, we cover up with greater modesty, and those that don't need that, our presentable parts, we don't worry about them as much. Why, why does he say those things? He said, but God has, God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Look, God's put us together in a way so that there wouldn't be division. We step in and think God hasn't done a good job putting us together, and that causes division. And what that does is it takes us away from being Christ's body. It takes us away from moving as Christ moved. Verse 27 ends this little passage before he introduces this idea of different gifts and positions within the church. Verse 27, we didn't read today, but I want to use it as our closing. It says this, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. This is not a statement of metaphor. This is not a meta He's not saying you are like the body of Christ saying you are the body of Christ. So those of us who are part of this gathering, those of us who are moving in a direction that God is weaving us together in a beautiful tapestry, who are going to say, yes, we want to be together and reaching Fremantle and beyond. For those of us, what does it look like then together? 
It means this, that we have to see each other as Christ. As Christ sees us and as Christ to the world. That we have to go, as Christ did, seeking and saving those who are lost. Why? Because we're a church? No, because we're the body of Christ. Not metaphorically, not like, we are the body of Christ. And so we operate and move as Christ did. And so he went to the margins. And he pushed towards the hurting. And he sought out healing. He was not exclusive, but inclusive, drawing all to himself, saying, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so we do the same. So in all of our actions and everything we do, whether it be in the gathering on, on Sunday morning, whether it be the support that we give on Saturday night, whether it be prayer time on Tuesday, whether it be uh, uh, the way that we use the great building and facilities that God has given us, all of those things we need to filter through uh, I'll distill something that got really cheesy. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Let's reclaim that. <laughs> right, let's make that what it really should be. Let's reclaim that and say, well, what would Jesus do? Because we're the body of Christ. So what would he do? How do we step into that? We've got to pray. We've got to pray a lot harder. Not because God doesn't listen to soft prayers, because trust me, he does. But we've got to pray because that's the only response we can have sometimes. And we've got to think. We've got to think strategically. And we've got to be about seeking what Jesus was and who he was and how's the best use of all of our gifts together. Because God is building his body. And none of us are more important. All of us are needed. And God's got a purpose for us. And you're not here by accident. To those of you who are kind of walking along and, and maybe you're trying to figure out, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> and, and maybe you just kind of stopped in here for just a minute. Or you're listening maybe later on the podcast and you're like, what, what's he talking about? Listen, if you hear anything in this today, hear this. God knows you and he loves you and he is pursuing you. And he has a place for you. And if you're here, this might be the place. <laughs> Take a moment. Stop. Listen. God is calling you. This might be the place for you. Rest. There's a gathering of people who are seeking after God. Who would love to have you. Who is being sought by God. Seek after him with us. That's what we would like. So we are, we are the body of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good to us and holy, righteous, true. Let these words be your words and let them not return void to you. But if they are not your words, let them burn up. Let them be blown away. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.